come with me into the tormented, haunted, half-lit night of the insane. This is my work. Let me lead you into it. Let me take you into the mind of a woman who is mad. Hi, and welcome to Beyond the Cabin in the Woods, a good ghoul's guide to horror. I'm your polter guide, Kinsey. I'm your polter guide, Donna. I'm your polter guide, Mac. And welcome back to the show, Poltergeist Cast from Horror Hangover. Hello. 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 Thank you for having me. You are welcome. So glad you could come back and join us to finish off the Firestarter Circle. Because that is what we're talking about, gang, is the 2022 Firestarter remake. Uh, I say let's just jump in. Did you like it? Did you not like it? Um, None of us had seen it before. So, yeah. I think I mentioned on the original Firestarter that Firestarter is one of my favorite Stephen Kings. Um, I really, I think, I think one of the things that Firestarter is, is Stephen King finally shedding his MFA. He's, he's like leaving the last, last of his MFA in Firestarter. And he's got all these complex uh, character relationships and stuff going on in it. And um, this Firestarter went in some interesting directions and I was willing to go there with them. There was like some interesting changes of scenery and I was like, okay, this is interesting. This is fun. And when we got to the end destination, I was like, nope, don't like this. So I was with them. I was enjoying it until the end. All right. There you go. I'll echo that slightly. I was like, in total, I think this movie improves measurably on a lot of the complaints we had about the original one. Mm, 100%. Yeah. But it, the whole package, no, thanks. I, I, I'm i like, Donna, you, to clarify, you're, you're saying Firestarter is one of your favorite Stephen King books. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Uh, and it, it's, it might, like Laura said after the movie was over, like, is it possible this story is just impossible to adapt? And I'm like, there's plenty of anecdotal evidence to support that theory. Yeah. Uh, didn't. Did, yeah. Uh, market improvement in almost every box, but still the movie's not very good. Yeah, I, I agree. I feel like I was shocked by how much I enjoyed the opening. Like, I think visually the mm-hmm. opening itself was so pretty. And I, I was really impressed that Keith Thomas actually had the gall to show a baby on fire. And I was like, oh, and I was like, let's strap in. This is going to get dark. I was so ready. <laughs> and it was like, I felt like I was on home base. I'm like, okay, I'm ready for this whole, my home run coming. And then it was just like, it struck out so badly. Like, it's yeah. just like, I don't, I don't really think the script held up. Uh, and then when I looked to see who wrote it, I was like, ah, yes, the writer of Halloween Kills. Now I, I, I know why I feel this way. <laughs> Everything was just brushed and jumbled. And I do think that it was really interesting that they modernized it and they tried to streamline the story, but then it just put so much pressure on the ending to get to that big explosive ending that it didn't land for me. And I would have mm-hmm. rather seen anything else or even a miniseries because it just... It was way more enjoyable going at a slower pace and getting to know these characters and what it is like to raise a Firestarter daughter. So that's my take. Yeah, I yeah, it was all right. I mean, I've, I didn't hate it. And, and it had interesting moments kind of echoing all of you. Uh, I may be the diff- differing opinion of because the ending is different. I like the ending because that third act is changing something. and um, that's always one of my things is if you're going to do a remake, a remake, why, what are we doing different? What, why are we doing that? So the fact that yes, you have the uh, redemption of the Rainbird casting for sure, as well as changing that third act and a little other bits and pieces, like it's fine, but it doesn't, it doesn't add up overall. It's like, eh, it's all right. Now, for those of you who don't know, what the 2022 Firestarter film is about. Our good, good buddies and Max Nemesis at IMDb is going to tell you that a young girl tries to understand how she mysteriously gained the power to set things on fire with her mind. What? She struggles to understand how? What? She knows. She knows. She knows how. Her parents had sex. That's how. (laughs) 
Her parents had sex and then the bad thing came. <laughs> that's that's how. Between the two of you, that sounds like this could be an evangelical horror film that they had sex and the bad thing happened. Come on. <laughs> really? It's about a father tells his daughter she shouldn't play with cigarette lighters, despite knowing that she can create fires with her mind. Things go downhill from there. <laughs> so what you're saying is children don't play with cigarette lighters. Uh, then you'll start you'll be able to set things on fire with your mind. Parents, let, let go of the no cigarette lighter rule if you know they have ready access to fire at any time. That's that's a, that's not a toy. To her, it is, Zac Efron. Chill out, <laughs> man. Speaking of Zac Efron, I will say this. <laughs> Zac Efron can never be accused of being one of falling into the actor trope of a schlubby guy with a hot wife. Because he was not <laughs> schlubby looking. And they let you know right, right early on. <laughs> Look at Zac Efron. Zac Efron needs to take, actually... A couple rest days from the gym because he. Mm. So, Donna, <laughs> Donna, somebody's I, I, got laundry to do on that stomach. I, I, I listen. I don't want to body shame anyone. I really don't. I don't want to body shame anyone, Zach. But seriously, a little bit of body fat will make your brain work better. It seriously. I'm. I'm. I'm a veterinarian. I'm a. I'm a teacher on these subjects. You just. Just a little. Just like. Five percent, just five percent body fat will make everything run better. That's how he makes his money, Donna. That's how he uh -huh. makes his money. Okay. He, he, even w being a Greek statue, he's a better uh, actor than Keith David. David Keith. <laughs> That's true. That's true. Yeah. Okay. He he gives a, a a a nominal performance throughout this film. It's not anything special, or mm -hmm. but there's not a moment where like. Honestly, that's the reading of the line you were going to give. Whereas in the original, every time either Keith David came, David Keith or Drew Barrymore opened their mouth, I'm like, and that's the take that we wanted. Okay. <laughs> that, okay. That, that's that's the take you chose. All right. Yeah. Okay. All right. <laughs> I definitely think this actress, and no offense to Drew Barrymore, is a better actress. Maybe because well, she is a little older than Drew was. But There's that. she she definitely was better. I, I think Drew Barrymore was an OK actress, even at this age, because, I mean, obviously, E.T. is there. I think mm. maybe we had a, a director who was able to get a kid performance out more effectively, which is not an easy task to do. I think you could still be a very competent director and fall face first on that front. But I think almost part of the job description, like like the description for a job opening for directing a Stephen King adaptation now is, can you get a performance out of kids? It's the, the machete rule. Mm. Uh, and uh, yeah, it, it's it, not everybody can do it. And I think this is more effectively done. Yeah, absolutely. It, I agree. It was a, a, an interesting choice to go with an older kid. And part of the reason it's an interesting choice is is because of the puberty argument. I mean, it came up at least twice, maybe more. And by the way, that girl is in puberty. That yeah. girl is in puberty. Um, that's beside the point. Um, but it's an interesting choice because then we have the, she's in school and hang on. I had a couple of outraged comments that I need to refer back to because I don't, I'm not sure I could sum it up my, outrage from last night i remember when watching halloween kills that uh peacock had a live rotten tomato score in the uh the heads up display uh, on the movie and they don't have that anymore and i thought that's wise because i remember watching halloween kills and it, it it went down and up as i paused the movie uh like by about a percentage point or two and it didn't do that for this and i'm i'm it, yeah something i observed I guess when I watched Halloween Kills on Peacock was after they took it away because I do not remember the okay. <laughs> Maybe they got away with that because it was it wasn't great at that moment. I was like, oh, they're like all these advertisements. And uh, obviously, like I went through two minutes of advertisements for Firestarter after pressing play on Firestarter. I'm like, come on, guys. Hmm. Uh, but OK, I found yeah. it. Excellent. 
my first comment is this Andy is stupid. <laughs> Shove it down. Has he been to grade school? Has he heard of bullying? He's talking about telling his daughter to shove it down and then they go to a dodgeball game. Okay. Um, so they've got this kid in grade school and then, and then they show us her dissecting a rotten frog. And let me tell you something, that frog is rotten. Okay. She didn't do anything wrong dissecting that frog. That frog is rotten on the inside. There's nothing inside a frog that looks like that. Okay, I'm telling you, there is nothing inside a frog like that. So that frog is rotten. Okay. And then she goes to a dodgeball game. A dodgeball game, you guys. I'm surprised she didn't burn down the entire gymnasium a la Buffy the Vampire Slayer. So I'm sorry. Andy is just dumb AF if he thinks he can send his... What was she supposed to be? 10? She was 10 11. Year, 11. Yeah. Oh, defo in puberty. Defo in puberty. If he thinks he can send a ten, an 11-year-old girl to grade school and not have her just fucking destroy the entire school. It was so weird that they kept hedging around the puberty angle. I really just wanted them to embrace it. Because also logistically, like you bring up the frog dissection, that's like something you do in seventh or eighth grade. So like she would have been like about 13, maybe 12 if she started school early or something. So like just have her be in puberty and then it raises yeah. mistakes. We're more nervous. It makes sense why her powers are emerging instead of being like, hmm, is she in puberty? I don't know. Is she? No. Okay. Well, when she's in puberty, it's going to get real bad. And it's like, oh, I was waiting for her just to have a period in like a gas station bathroom. And then for everyone to be like, oh God. But- it's fire. Oh no. <laughs> and- Bloody fire. <laughs> and by the way, the, I'd rather you talk to your mother about this bullshit. Fuck you, Andy. Fuck you. How about we be put period positive and say, I think we have some supplies here in the house or something. You know, why not? Just be period positive. I yeah. was not thrilled with that either. Yeah. It's one line and it changes so much of their dynamic just by right. like, hey, I've got some stuff in, you know, I think we've got stuff in the closet, whatever. Yeah. When you're talking about, you know, the the shoving it down, that's one of my notes is like, Andy, how about we not have the Book of Mormon rules of turn it off? Let's let's mm-hmm. not do that. Yeah. Yeah. Also, like he is running like, I mean, it sounds like they've been state hopping for his hypnosis slash mind control business for some time and he's doing his like his power work and like sharing it with people who probably tell their friends and he's not shoving down his feelings or powers Mm -mm. even though it's literally killing him and he could make money probably in any other way than that but chooses not to yeah i did think that was interesting with those in the lot six experiment pool that none of them had parents that these were oh yeah I thought that was interesting and just real touch base because I know we'll talk about him. But of course, the fucking government ex- experimented on minorities. Of course, Rainbird was the first. Of course, they went to people of color's communities and did that. Like that, that bullshit just rang so true. And I was like, yeah, fuck you. Fuck the, you uh, the no parents thing is straight from the book. I mean, yeah, it removes some of the tension of the story, but in the theme of Andy. Uh, both of them being an idiot, they've so regulated Charlie's life that she doesn't have access to the Internet. Why are they sending to her to public school? Like, mm-hmm. how, how, like name for me a way to get on the government's radar real quick. Yeah. How do you uh-huh. do your homework without a computer? At, like, this right? day and age? <laughs> and I then, mean, did COVID not happen in this? <laughs> and then Amish, they claim she's Amish. Oh, I totally missed that. What? When did they claim she was Amish? One of the that, kids say, say. I think the kids thought she was Amish because she doesn't use. The, oh, okay. The maybe, yeah. maybe they didn't uh, claim she was Amish. Okay. That yeah. was kind of a kids being a kids line. Like, oh, well, this okay. is weird, and you're weird. So obviously, you don't she have any technology. <laughs> you're going to be Amish. What a weird, like, like slanderous thing for a kid to say. Yeah, weird. You must be Amish. Like, who's saying that? <laughs> You went okay. full Boston on that one, Cass. That was, that oh, was I can, pretty good. I can pull it out when needed. Yep. <laughs> so I will say this. I did enjoy that mom had more agency. And I mm-hmm. loved mom advocating 
to train her that mm-hmm. she wasn't just Heather Locklear, just like, and then falls out of a little longer. Well, let's, let's not, let's not blame poor Heather for. No, for... no, 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 no. But Heather was cast to be a pretty blonde. That's I'm not. Yes. Yeah. I'm not blaming Heather at all. Girls got to eat. Girls got to work. I'm not. No, no, no. I'm saying they didn't give Heather anything to do where this one, they gave her something to do. I, yeah, I agree. I very much enjoyed that Vicky had agency in, in this, that Vicky, Vicky had a personality and Vicky had powers um, and used them when it was necessary to do so. Well, they earned Vicky's death. Like the original, yeah. I don't think earned Vicky's death. This one, you do care about the stakes and you do care about her and damn that burn on her arm. Like, I know that was gnarly. And the fact that like, she's still, yeah, that was gnarly. And I, I love that. They actually showed like what it's like to deal with a fire starter daughter. Like it will kill you. <laughs> Let's talk about Rainbird. I know, I know Kinsey in particular probably really wants to talk about Rainbird. I do. I do. Um, I kind of touched on it a little bit and just with them targeting the communities. But no, I liked, I did enjoy Michael Gray Eyes' performance. I read a fantastic interview with him from IndieWire from Kristen Lopez and talking about that was a big deal, just reclaiming that character and what, that he already knew the book, knew the character, and he wanted to reclaim it and make it, make it his own and like, it's really fascinating. Like him and the director came up with a backstory that Rainbird was the first successful one in lot six. And that is, that is why. And I mean, it's one of those things I wish they'd have, he's working with the best he can and that's, you know, they all are, <laughs> but yeah, I'm, I'm not getting toward the ending. Cause I know we'll talk about that. So I'm purposely staying away from that with him, but cause that's the other thing too, that is pretty well known with, the military service you're also targeting those specific communities so that also to me tracked but mm-hmm. it's michael gray eyes so i'm i'm showing up for it and i thought he definitely made it a lot more layered performance and did what he could <laughs> with what he got i i noticed i liked him almost as soon as he was on screen i mean almost the first moment you saw him, I was like, Oh, I like him. And I, one of the things I noticed almost right away was like with the George C. Scott portrayal, like almost every time you saw him, there was something that was native coded about him, you know, from, from the red face to the, to the blanket, to the hair. I mean, everything about him was like, notice me that I am native with um, this portrayal of Rainbird you didn't have that. There was really not much about him outside of the fact that he is native. That was like screaming, hello, I'm native. You know, like the tattoo on his back was not some big native Ooh. art piece. It was the the hanged man tarot card. He just is native as opposed to all this stuff screaming, look, we hired a native guy. And, and I just, I appreciated that. So he was just, he was just a guy. Yeah. And I know I say this every time we record, uh, we, we cover a Bloomhouse film, but they really are so conscious of that, of just mm-hmm. letting people of color be people. And just, I, I call it casual diversity. Mm-hmm. And they just, I, I, and I think they just knock it out of the park. Well, like with Captain Hollister being portrayed by uh, an Afro-Latina. And again, they don't, I think the only point they made the only time they made a point of emphasizing that cap was a woman was when she made the comment about you know he wouldn't have been able to he didn't have the legs for this dress that was about the only time they pointed out that you know she wasn't a dude irv manders being african-american and again i mean they just the casual diversity they they put minorities in these roles and then don't make an issue of it it's beautiful it's just beautiful to see and even when um even when blue house doesn't land a hole in one with their movies i will continue to appreciate them just for that that right there that they do that and they take chances it doesn't always work but they're willing to try and i that's why they always 
I, I always give them a chance because it may not land for me, but mm-hmm. for those two things right there, I will, I will forever stand them until they decide to break my heart. <laughs> yeah. And as much as I don't really love Scott team's script on this film, I did really appreciate how Rainbird's motivation made way more sense in this adaptation. Uh, like even just the idea of being like, would you rather work as a janitor or make some easy money doing something you know that you're capable doing? Like most people are going to be like, uh, okay, it would be nice to have some more money in my pocket, even if I'm morally like unsure about what I'm doing. Uh, and I thought that that texture for him was really, really nice. And it also shows you like how abusive the shop in the, I'm not really sure. So in this one, the shop is like gone. So Cap works for CIB or something like that. There's some acronym. Oh, yeah. And I can't remember what it is. Yeah. So I like that it showed that they're still doing the same tactics and tricks and they're still, they haven't learned and the government hasn't grown and they're still abusing and using uh, minorities as their weapons. And that Rainbird has some feelings about that. And then we get to see those feelings on screen was really nice. Like it's not Mm -hmm. easy. He's not like, oh, I love working for the man. It's just like, this sucks, but also I don't have many options because of what the government did to me in the first place. When he revealed that he had been a lot sick subject, that was one of the first, I, I, I made the analogy about detours. That was, I think the first detour that I was like, okay, I will go on this ride with you. And it was the one that gave me the trust to be like, all right, I, I will, I will, I will believe in you in these rewrites that you've taken to my beloved story, because I liked that. Mm-hmm. I liked that a lot. So, but yeah, I really, I really liked this portrayal. I really felt like they did in fact, thoroughly redeem the portrayal of Rainbird. Oh, I a hundred percent agree. Mm-hmm. He was good. He was very good. Very good. So I do have to bring up, the casting of Kurtwood Smith as the former doctor. Kurtwood Kurt Smith was in this movie? Yes. <laughs> I must have fallen asleep for just the briefest of moments and missed him. Trust me, Mac, you would remember because he gives the same speech verbatim that the other man gives about why Charlie is dangerous. Kurtwood Smith delivering it is utterly terrifying because you're like, yeah. Like you kind of then start like, well, maybe he's right. It's terrifying. And mm-hmm. I'm so glad that Kurtwood Smith showed up for a day, rolled out of bed in his pajamas to deliver <laughs> that speech. Unshaven. Unshaven, all, all the things, because the, it was, yeah. Got the Gwyneth Paltrow in Spider-Man Homecoming deal. Yeah. yeah. God bless him. Because it was, <laughs> just go back and just watch, look for him and listen to that speech. Because I did. Yeah. yeah. But he's for being featured in the cast. He is very much not in this movie for the most part. I just sat there and went, is that Red Foreman? (laughs) That's Red Foreman. Oh, okay, cool. He's he he will always be Clarence Bodiger to me, but I hear (laughs) you. Yeah, Donna, right now, just as you said, Red Foreman, I was like, oh, your editor, Billy, is he's going to be like, that's Clarence Bodiger. I got you, Billy. I got you, Billy. (laughs) (laughs) So we've talked about Charlie's powers. Do we want to talk about Charlie and the cat? Not really. Not really. I feel obligated to. Well, I know. I know. Dr. Donna has has thoughts. Dark, angry thoughts. Yeah. Having seen the whole movie now, I appreciate that was just a setup for what she did to the guy in the car. To which I will still just say, fuck you. It was unnecessary and it was horrible. Um, So a cat scratches Charlie and she reacts by blasting the cat. Now, just on its own, I really, it made me not like Charlie. And I feel like Charlie should be a very likable character. I think it's important that Charlie be very likable in this movie because her power is terrifying. That's that's kind of the, that's what the point of this movie is, is that fire is scary and Charlie needs to be likable because she's wielding a terrifying power. And the fact that she burned this cat made me not like her. Um, 
but she didn't kill it. So this cat is lying there on the ground making pitiful mewling noise. And Andy strolls over casually and slowly mm-hmm. and then and then has this lengthy, slow conversation with her about how the cat is suffering and should be put out of its misery. And then they continue to have this long, slow conversation while the cat is mewling and suffering about how this is the cost of what you've done before she finally, minutes later, kills the cat. I I had a similar reaction. I didn't necessarily dislike Charlie necessarily. I disliked the filmmakers. Yeah. For dwelling on this for so long. There, There is a point beyond horror where it's just nauseating and it's not like beyond horror there's gore and then there's just why are we looking at this anymore you're not like there's not a a a message here there's not you know oh this is the horrors of violence like yeah don't set a cat on fire i'm all on board with that i don't need an object lesson in not setting cats on fire my cat came in the room during the scene looked up what the hell are you watching (laughs) Yeah, I think Mommy, the- daddy. <laughs> yeah, it, it comes across more as just being like a special effects flex of just being like, oh, mm-hmm. look at how realistic we made this. Are you uncomfortable? Where I forget yes. the I forget the direct quote, but Wes Craven said something around the idea of like one of his favorite things to do in horror is to like cut away from like whatever body or mangled thing is happening and focus on the face of someone watching a terrifying thing and and show how that's scary. So I think we could have just like stayed on Charlie or even Andy being super upset. And that would be, I think that would get the desire emotionally, but instead we have Andy somehow being super chill about this dead cat of all the time that he's ready. Not dead. Oh, almost dead. Not dead. So, on the brink of death, cat. He's like at this time. He's the calmest parent in the world, and is like, oh, we can we can breathe through this moment together, Charlie. And it's like five minutes ago, you were yelling at her for like breathing and being like anxious, <laughs> like what? And, and unable to handle the period. Yes, <laughs> the theoretical and, period. And, that that. <laughs> ugh, but oh, there's a burned cat. What's going on, kiddo? Did yeah. you burn the cat? Let's look at the cat for a minute. <laughs> Dad, I think I may be getting my period. Oh, weird. It was like the most like, here's like an entry level 101 course on how to be a psychopath. Like, let me walk you through this moment of killing together. Oh, God. (laughs) So here's the thing. There, There are guidelines, American Veterinary Association of Medicine, for euthanasia. And those guidelines specify that it should be as fast as possible that it should be as painless as possible and it should be as stress-free as possible. I pause to let you consider if that met any of those conditions. No. Who who do we report them to, Donna? The local veterinary state board. Excellent. So it won't count because neither of them are veterinarians, but as a veterinarian, I was sitting there going, do something. Don't stand there and have a casual conversation over this suffering cat. I was not well pleased over any part of that scene. And even after I realized it was a setup for later when she killed the guy in the car, I was like, something else you could have done. I I don't know. I don't know what it would have been, but something else. I don't even know if I need the setup for that thing later on. Louis Firestarter. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm briefed on her abilities. I, I, I don't need the, the cat precursor. I don't need a training montage. Yeah. Because as I'm hearing training montage in, in my head as all of this is going on, I don't need that. As Max said, it's Firestarter. I know what to expect. I'm here for it. I, you know. So, yeah, it could have actually just been the guy turning around and going, oh, kill me. That, that would have yeah. been adequate. Yeah. Yeah. So. I think um, if you wanted to keep that scene bes- and besides showing Zac Efron's face instead of uh-huh. staying in it, you could have had it be an accident. You could have had someone being mean to the cat and the cat being nice to Charlie and Charlie doing what happened with her mom, where yeah. she thought she was setting her dad on fire 
and set her mom <laughs> on fire and she accidentally did the cat like you you we didn't need the basically the birds and the bees life and death talk while over this cat zach efron i understand you're you're yeah the the, the um the veterinary guidelines for euthanasia and the guidelines for horror movie editing should be somewhere in alignment. It should be fast. It should be as painless as possible. <laughs> and as stress-free as possible. I think, I think the, the, the Venn diagram of those two rules are a perfect circle. At A plus, by the way, for remembering all three. So I have to just point this out because it made me, it made me laugh every time it happened. But whenever Zac Efron used his powers, when he pushed, he had to pop his neck. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like he's some dude bro in the gym, like, oh, I got to said I got to do and this, you know, <laughs> I like that a million times better than David Keith's dramatic hair grabbing. <laughs> but at least with David Keith, you can say that was the 80s. Everything was like to an 11. But this literally was like, yeah, I got to do my set like pop. <laughs> it was it was very dude bro, very gym bro. And it just it was it, it made me laugh though every time. It's like, oh no, that's 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 his that's his tick. Okay. Oh oh okay. Yeah, and there's this like weird sound editing to it where it kind of reminded me of like a K horror film where I'm like, is Zach Efron gonna get possessed now? Like is <laughs> like I mean, like I was like, what what? <laughs> I did like I did like his bleeding eyes though. I mean, I think they kind of did it a lot. After a while, it's like, okay, I got it. But the first time, I, I was shocked and pleased. I was like, oh, this is great. But then there was a lot. <laughs> it was a good effect. By the third time, it was not so great an effect. It was clearly like, you know, CGI'd blood on his face. And I was like, yeah. but the first time, yeah, I was like, oh, wow. By the end, I was like, okay, let's move on to the next inevitable plot point. <laughs> so... Okay, so there was the training montage in the woods, which was apparently pretty short because Andy still had the the scab on his nose. Mm. That was like a day, maybe. Maybe she, yeah. she, she slept, she tried to eat some berries, and then it was training montage. That she had, though, the time to make, like, the fire, like, to the kindling for the fire was like a perfect campfire set up with how the branches were, like... <laughs> Oh, it was great. It was so great. Oh, I meant to ask because I have not read the book. In the book, does Charlie inherit her parents' powers too? Or is this like another creative liberty this film took? And how do we feel about her being like basically an Omega mutant now? <laughs> um, I was I was okay with that, actually. Yeah. I, I thought that was a neat touch. Most, most of the changes right up until the end, I was on board with. Mm. Um, there was some stuff they took out that I wish they had left in, but most of the stuff they added in, I was, I was on board with. I I was kind of on board with that one too. I think it made the, the government's interest in her more plausible. Whereas Mm -hmm. in other versions of the story, if if it's just the fire, it's like, yeah, I mean, get her off the streets, but why are we that into, you know, harnessing her for, for other applications? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I definitely was a fan of her having all of the powers. Speaking of the wood training montage, when she goes to the neighborhood to get the bike and some clothes and all of that, all I'm hearing (laughs) in my head is Terminator 2, and it's, I need your bike, your clothes, and your PB&J. Like, that is all. And I am just, we laugh so hard at that. Like, oh my gosh. Same. <laughs> oh, same. I need your bike, your clothes, and your PB and J. Cut off the crusts. <laughs> I don't like crusts. <laughs> All right. So I may be the only one that enjoyed the third act because it was so different. Because it's. I mean, I'm not cool with him pushing Charlie at all. I'm not cool <laughs> with that. But it was, I don't know. I, I want a Charlie and Carrie Thelma and Louise type roadshow of just burning down bad government facilities. And just, I, I want to see, I need that in my life. Yeah, that I have no problem with. My problem with the third act is going to come in when we're talking about polls, I think. Okay, uh, I can see that. 
Yeah, I, I'm like, I, I can get behind everything else. It, it feels very truncated. The whole movie feels very truncated. Uh, it like it's not just, oh, they got Kurtwood Smith for a day. It feels like they had more of Kurtwood Smith and cut him out. And it feels like a lot of characters just ha- are, are in the movie for a shorter amount of time than was originally planned. And that starts to show very severely at the end because they are rushing through plot points. And, you know, it, it, it's not quite the same quality of filmmaking at the end. I even had the note down that this all has, oh, God, it's Superman 4. And oh, shit, we just ran out of money energy. Like, it's just... <laughs> There is no more money. You have to end the m- movie somehow. Mm. So, uh, yeah. Um, I, have no, yeah, I have no problem with the changes. I, I just don't think the movie is as well served as it could have been. I'm afraid I fall into the in the book sin, mm-hmm. um, which is just that, like I said, it's one of my favorite books. And one of the things I love about it is all the intrigue that's going on when they're at the shop. There's the the relationship between Andy and Cap. There's the relationship between Andy and his orderlies, the relationship between Charlie and Rainbird, the relationship between Charlie and the Tex, and all the relationships and the intrigue that's building there. The 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 I mean Charlie's a kid, but Charlie is trying to pull some stuff. There's there's some intrigue and so you know everyone is playing tricks on everyone else and then how the escape happens and how it all goes wrong and then finally charlie is like okay i'm done with all y'all and i'm burning this shit down i enjoy that and i got none of that um so which is a much longer winded way of saying exactly what max said is they got to the end and realized oh we need to just end this movie very quickly and so they did but basically i got none of what i really enjoy about the end of that story and Mm -hmm. i was kind of like oh Hmm." uh yeah i definitely agree i think what was interesting is before i watched it i listened to this interview on a podcast called evolution of horror with the director keith thomas and he was saying how he streamlined the story and it was going to be more of like a political thriller. And I feel like I didn't get that. It felt like a truncated version of the film we all already saw, which is mostly like a uh, running gun style road trip. And then just like shoehorned in this political stuff at the ending, um, which was unfortunate because I felt like in the beginning when they had that, I guess, I don't know what to call it, but like, not quite a flashback, but the the cuts they did in the opening sequence to kind of fill you in on like lot six and the experiments really quickly. I thought that we were going to get more into that in that world. And we totally didn't. So it felt really misleading. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and maybe there's a version of this film that is more that, and it, you know, yeah. preview screenings or studio interference or something like that. It, it feels like somebody who was not involved in the entire creative process forge the movie that we're watching yeah and even at the end too like i think there's something i think you're right about mac like them maybe running out of money because at the end with the special effects there's a lot of times where people getting shot and the blood looks like light pink like it does not look good so yeah i think they might have between covid and budgeting reasons i think they probably cut out a lot of stuff that would have been great again as a miniseries sign me up for that yeah yeah, I think you guys are right that this probably was affected by COVID across the board. Because I know they were filming it during that time and they filmed in, I want to say they filmed this in Australia. That's why Zac Efron was in Australia. I, I'm not that up to date on Zac Efron's whereabouts at any moment, so but I, I believe you. <laughs> I was about to say Mac is not a teenage girl. And then it occurred to me that I'm not sure that Zac Efron is still the it thing for teenage girls. <laughs> <laughs> and I, then I realized I have no idea what teenage girls are into. My standard answer to that is, is there a boy band out? Zach Efron is playing the dad in a movie. So we, we've we've moved past that. Oh, you're, <laughs> you are right. Probably a Korean boy band. Someone in a Korean boy band with their yeah. hair bleached. Sure. Give it another 10 years and those Korean boy bands will be the father in the, the new remake of Firestarter. 
<laughs> Weirdly enough, Kurtwood Smith will still be playing the doctor. They've got they've got reels of footage of him ready to go. They can remake this movie three times and still have Kurtwood Smith in it the same amount of time. No reshoots. Oh man. It's a little off topic and definitely a detour, but I would have loved it if the writer was like, you know what? We are going to set Andy on fire <laughs> and, and maybe Andy doesn't live. And it's Vicky and Charlie. Like I, that would have been such a bold choice to be like, Oh, we're changing the parent that survives yeah. I guess, to at least until the ending. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I keep thinking about what that story would look like. And I'm like, I would feel like that would maybe solve some of the weird patronizing Andy moments about trying to control Charlie and her powers and her emotions that just comes off in a way where it's like, I don't know what they were going for. Like, I guess over protection, but also it sends a really strange message based on the ending. Like, can we talk about the choice to push Charlie? Why is that the choice? (laughs) I don't like that at all. I Mm -mm. don't, I am not cool with that, especially because they one it's gross that's where mm-hmm. you know yeah. that's just the standard but two they had already set him up to where he was not cool with it that mm-hmm. he was like no i yeah. don't know what that would look like i can't do that and then all of a sudden i mean i granted i understand there's it is a stressful circumstance but that's just i don't know it's it's a violation like to me like that is yeah. a violation of trust and i don't know it's just gross that's that's the only way I can describe it. It's gross. I won't push you unless I've run out of other ideas. I'm your father. Yeah. Yeah. If he hadn't have been patronizing like he was, and they had the father-daughter relationship like in the original, mm. he could have told her, burn it down. And she yeah. would have done it without that. If you would have had, if we could marry the two movies together in some weird way, which mm. would also be your miniseries idea, I think, Cass. I think you could get it. Yeah. Uh, but I actually love the idea of a Vicky and Charlie. Right? Would that be so cute? Yeah. I'm on this other island here in my brain. I'm like, ah. Oh. <laughs> yeah. What? Man, just it's just such a weird choice. And also, like, if she does have these other powers, couldn't they just have, like, some telepathic conversation at that moment? Like, they just yeah, forget yeah. about that. Because, like... Yeah, because that's in, in the original Firestarter movie, that's how perceivably Vicky and Andy chatted all the time in their mind. So I, wouldn't that be something that they could just do instead of forcing her to kill everyone? Also, like, I thought if he used his powers one more time, he would die anyway. So, like, why would she then need to explode him? He would be dead. <laughs> I don't know. I will say this with if it was a Vicky and Charlie movie, Charlie would have been spoken to like an adult vicky would have been like look this is what's going on this is we've got to do this there would have been no questions Mm -hmm. yeah okay listen hollywood because i know i know you're listening to us i know (laughs) i know hollywood is listening to our podcast when you remake this movie again in 15 20 years make it vicky and charlie okay vicky and charlie or maybe don't remake it I mean, there's that's, that option. That's too. an option too. Yeah. I like Kenzie's idea though, of like, if you're going to remake it, make it different and take risks. Like, like yeah. the 2018 Suspiria, not at all. I like the original and mm-hmm. it's fantastic because it's its own film. It's not just like shot for shot, the same thing that we already saw. Cause I can just watch the original film if I want that. <laughs> yeah. You're bringing something different to the table. That's what's, that's the important part is mm-hmm. that it's different. All right. Well, Mac, you have the hat trick this episode. You've got yes. our quote. You telling me I can't trust the TV? <laughs> yes. Or the New York Times, apparently. <laughs> like, eh, the New York Times has a lot of unforced errors. Like, that's not me saying, oh, the New York Times. It's me saying, the New York Times, I, I love you and I want you to get your shit together. That's that. Okay. But that's you know, about the original. You can do, but you know it can do better. Yeah, I, I I criticize because I love New York Times. I, I You're providing Wordle to the world. Now bring everything up to Wordle level. That's all I need from you. <laughs> you also now have our role. 
Uh, don't tell anyone to calm down or stay calm or any variation thereof, maybe. You know, try that out, because that's inevitably where things went wrong in these scenes. Like, Charlie, calm down. Well, well now you're going to die. <laughs> Hide down. your cats, I guess. <laughs> oh, gosh. All right. And then, of course, our poll. And I think this will be introduce some a little more uh, discussion on the, uh, the ending of the movie. Uh, why, in the farthest reaches of headcanon, does Charlie make peace with Rainbird at, Rainbird at the end? Like, I get it. They're both injured by this. But the fact that they walked off together at the end of the movie as allies, for lack of a better term, I don't get it. Like, he killed their mother. Am I? Did I see the same movie as everybody else? Mm-hmm. Okay, good. Because I, I suggested that as as poll, and everybody was like, "Yeah, that's great." And then all throughout the podcast, I'm thinking about that. Like, did he kill her mother? That can't be right. No. So you were you were gaslighting yourself. I was a little bit. <laughs> yes, yes, he did. I will, I yeah. will, I will he, validate your your version of reality. Yes, he did. Yes, he did. Yeah. He so, did. like, why? Like, I get that they, they they've both been injured by the same sources, but at, like, is are we supposed to believe that the eleven year old girl has put pieced that all together and said, you know what, I'm going to forgive you because that wasn't you that killed my mother; it was the system that created you and forced you to kill my mother. That will will go uh, 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 take apart together. What? No, I think, and I've said this all about this film, a line of dialogue would help ease this. Cause even then I'm yeah. still don't know how, how you still could be cool with it, but a line of dialogue, just her acknowledging, Oh, I see. This is why you did this. Like just when, when they are in front of each other in the facility and he's expecting her to kill him and they're just kind of stare at each other, like a line of dialogue there. I don't know what you would say. Don't I haven't got right. that far because I see it on your face, Mac, of what can you say to make it cool? Because really, there's not much, but something, some kind of acknowledgement, like you regret killing my mom, something. Mm-hmm. I don't know. The other direction would be, let's say, like, OK, Charlie gets into some kind of bind in this and, it, it, and then Rainbird rescues her. And she is still not having it. She's about ready to set him on fire, but then hesitates a little bit and they go their separate ways. Them walking off into the sunset together is like. Yeah. It also calls into a lot of logic about, again, the push on Charlie, because we Mm -hmm. don't know how long that push lasts. Like if she was still under her dad's control, if any of the actions she did were her own, like when, at what point was she like, you know what, this is pretty fun. Let's keep these fires going. Like we don't really know. Party don't have to stop at this government facility. Yeah. Let's go down the road. <laughs> go to the state house. <laughs> if she's going full tilt boogie on the fire, why not the guy that killed your mother? Yeah, but I think yeah. I think there's a shot that I think they they put a lot of weight in the shot and I don't think it paid off because there's this moment where she looks in this reflective surface and sees herself. And I think they're, they were trying to push us to be like, oh, maybe that moment, I don't know, but maybe that moment she snapped out of it and was no longer under the push and saw all she did and was like, holy God. Um, but again, we don't really have, we don't really see her feeling that too long or like to Kenzie's point, she could have even had some sort of line of dialogue like, what have I done? Like, why did he do this to me? And then like the Rainbird connection might make a little bit more sense because Rainbird can understand being controlled, but like Charlie and Rainbird don't have the same experiences. Like she was born into these powers. She was never tested on by the government. So like their allyship is still not balanced and very strange. Yeah. Yeah. I like the uneasy alliance angle. Like, okay, yeah. you saved me. I saved you. If we ever meet again, then right, we're throwing down. Like them, I'm down with that too. But yeah, it was odd. And, and it's the last moment of the film, and it leaves in it, it, like I, I, I feel like if they didn't do that, I might have been able to forgive everything else that didn't connect for the movie because it's, it's that last moment and it leaves a bad taste in my mouth. Like oddly enough, I think the original, the ending is its strongest moments. Mm. And so I'm almost willing to give that a pass for all the things I didn't like about the original. Whereas this is 
pound for pound, probably a better movie. But the ending is so inexplicable. I'm like, just get rid of it. Now, part of me, I will say this, taking Vicky's death out of this equation. Mm-hmm. All right. I am 100% for Charlie and Rainburn fucking shit up. I just want y'all yeah. to know that. Like, taking, <laughs> sure. taking that out, I was like, I'd watch that movie. I'd yeah. watch that movie a lot. Mm-hmm. As long as we take the Vicky thing out. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, there's just, there's just one line we haven't really talked about, but... Um, so Vicky basically tells Rainbird early on in the film, like when you see Charlie, you'll understand. It's like this inexplicable, mysterious thing. And then later on, Rainbird tells Cap the sort of the same thing. It's just like she's my mother and our sister. And it goes on this tangent about how Charlie is representative of so much more. Um, and I also don't know how I feel about that. Cause it, it's especially because they cast like an indigenous person to play Rainbird. I feel really icky about him holding up this like white child. And I, it's, I don't, it doesn't land. Like maybe just make Charlie also indigenous. Like it's just, it's just very strange. That choice of dialogue. I'm not sure what it's supposed to mean. I think if it's another actor, I'm it's a hundred percent tropey. Like, I mean, it's, it's Ah. dancing the line as it is. It's not, it's not great. I'm, I'm just, uh, it's not great, but I think a different actor that's not indigenous, I think you're getting the George C. Scott and it is super tropey. Yeah. But I think part of it lands from being native that we are all connected. Like, I, so mm. it lands differently because I understand, Cass, what you're saying with that. Yeah, it's weird, you know lifting up the white girl i'm not <laughs> but the line it hits differently a little mm. bit because i see what you're okay. saying with that it it would be tropey somebody else but also for me being native i get what he's saying if that makes mm. sense okay. yeah then it then it works yeah. here's what i got um is he does have that you know mother sister line in there and I may have been making up this line because it's kind of what I got from it, but there's a, we're the same. What with the connection from, you know, the lot six experiments. So I think, I think Rainbird felt that they had a connection. Well, and that's what you were saying also somewhat in the book that he wants that power in the other life. Like you had mentioned that on the original episode, that's why he was wanting Charlie to kill him correct yeah but i i don't think we're going that direction in this no i don't think we are in this one either but i think the we're the same once again i think that it hits Mm -hmm. differently absolutely so i think what they're trying to establish here is that the two of them have this this deep connection based on the lot six experiment um but I think when it landed, uh, Cass was talking about that moment when they met up in the uh, when when um, Charlie was burning everything down. Um, and I think actually that's when the push let go of her uh, because, you know, the men were coming at her in the fire retardant suits. And by the way, I mean, that room was still going to be hundreds of degrees the fire retardant suits were going to stop them from boiling inside the suits it was just going to stop them from catching on fire um but that's beside the point um and then rainbird shot them all and then yeah he did he did fall to his knees like okay you can kill me now um and she looked in the mirror, but there was a shot right after that where you saw her pupils go from tremendously dilated to constricting back down to normal size. And since they used the dilated pupils as the sign that the push had landed, I think that's when the push let go of her. And she walked by Rainbird and let him go. And I think that's kind of the moment a connect. I'm not saying I completely buy all this, by the way. I'm just saying I think this is what the movie was trying to tell us. I think that's the moment the connection was supposed to have landed between them. As she walked on out um, and then Rainbird caught up to her. And I think that was kind of the moment that she was like, yes, we're the same. And she accepted his help. 
And I'm not going to say that they had a great relationship at the beginning, but I think that is supposed to be why she accepted his help there at the end is because of that connection that had been forged and accepted. So that's my read on it. Yeah, but it needs that degree of headcanon to get there. Yes, yes, it does. So that is a failing of the movie that you have to think about it that hard. Not not that, you know, an ending that you think about a lot is bad, but that an ending that you have to think about to have the movie be swallowable is uh, maybe not so great. I will grant you that my thought at the moment was, why isn't he a flaming dry Christmas tree at this moment? I don't know why I went to Christmas tree. I just couldn't think of anything why isn't he Firebird instead of Rainbird? Yeah, no, I got it. Okay, yeah, yes. I'm with you. There you go. Yeah. Why isn't he burning right now? They got to set up that sequel. Got to get that sequel, Skrilla. <laughs> that isn't going to happen because I don't think the numbers are too terribly strong here. No, I know we're we're in game, but I have to bring it up super fast. You could hear the Carpenter score all throughout that you could tell John Carpenter did this music. Uh-huh. Oh, See, yeah. I got us, Mac. I got us as a Carpenter in there. Yep, yep, yep. I, I saw that Carpenter did the score, I think, when I was writing a, re- a review for the original for my site. And I was like, oh, really? That'll be fun. And it, and it was. It was definitely it was. A, a highlight point. Uh, yeah. Apparently also with the advertising, because the advertising sure as hell pointed that out like, Carpenter's doing the score. So, yeah. yeah. Can't go wrong there. Nope. So I'm going to go first on Happy Place. Every, the past couple of years, I've been doing the Goodreads reading goal. And Mm -hmm. I'm on track for my my goal. And I'm very excited about this. This is, you know, I have fallen short uh, the past couple of years. And, but this one, I'm actually on track. And I'm very happy about that. So that's my Happy Place. I, I'm going to, do a little one and a big one the little one happened this morning when i let my dog out and there was a turtle on the back porch and she raced outside to the turtle and then she she ran around the turtle and she sniffed the turtle and then she looked up at me as if to say what the fuck mom and it was so cute and it made me laugh and smile and the other thing is that uh, last night was the last night that my students could turn in assignments and they busted their ass. And I watched so many students raise their grades two and three letter grades yesterday. And I'm just very proud and it makes me happy. So yay, my students. Yay. I I can go next. Uh, I'm getting married on this coming Saturday. So I went to my first wedding dance lesson with the, <laughs> with one week left to learn how to dance. And it was really fun. And it was great. Something I've not ever done with my partner before. And I think in the future, I would love to take more dance classes with him. It's really a good way to bond. My happy place is not the friends system in Goodreads. Uh, <laughs> but I've been back on the show for six months uh, or so. It's been probably about five. And and it's been a complete delight. Uh, I, you know, if you had told me, say, six or seven months ago, you know, uh, you, you might be back on Beyond the Cabin in the Woods, I'd be like, eh. and now that it's happened and I'm back, I'm enjoying it immensely. So this, this, this is the happy place. It's it's not the fires that we made. It's the friends we made along the way. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, as you know, and I've said this off mic, I'm, I'm glad to have you back, Mac. And they just, so I'm, that, that makes me feel all warm and fuzzy that, that you're also glad to be back. We are very happy to have you back. Cass, thank you so much for coming to talk about Firestarter with us. Thank uh, it's you. always, always a delight to have you. So where can they find you? Where are you at? Sure. I'm on the, the bird app at Cass underscore underscore Clark with an E. And you can also follow my horror podcast called Horror Hangover uh, at horror underscore hangover, I think. Um, good luck finding it I'm not 100% sure right now. <laughs> my brain just stopped working. <laughs> and thank you again for having me on. This is always a delight and had a great time. 
Well, we are also on the Bird app. Uh, we're at Beyond Cabin on Twitter and Instagram. BeyondTheCabinInTheWoods.com is our website. You can find us on Facebook. Same thing. I am on Twitter and Instagram at Callista77. I am currently on Twitter and on Instagram at Dragon Goblin. There's no I in Goblin. Uh, I am on Twitter at Party Apocalypse. The website's PartyApocalypse.com, which now hosts Beyond the Cabin in the Woods. Yay! Yay! Uh, other fine podcasts are available there. Uh, books, blogs, movie reviews. There is an Instagram, but there's nothing there. I don't get Instagram. And then when you get to TikTok, I get it less. I'm old and I don't understand the new things. Back in my day, we had Facebook and we poked people and we were happy. Oh, yeah. Poking. <laughs> yeah. It's a nice low impact sort of way to bother someone. The 2000s, man. Kids, ask your parents. It was a wild time. As always, thank you to our editor, Billy, who just makes us sound fantastic. And I want to thank everybody for listening. We do appreciate it. Bye, everybody. And don't read the Latin. You know what horror is.